Welcome to episode 16 of Probably Polly, the podcast where we question everything, even our name. As always, I am your host, Michael Haig. And I'm your co-host, Sarah Lucas. And I'm your co-host, Mandy Conant. Today, we are going to be discussing opening up a relationship. This is common vernacular term, and I think it's kind of getting, it's a weird sort of sentence. It, I guess it means, what, not being strictly monogamous anymore? Because people will say that to say we have an open relationship or even sort of really low-level, low-key opening, like we're adding hall passes right. to our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> I like that description. If you're not familiar with hall passes, it's, I see a lot about it written in monogamous setting magazines or this where they're saying, oh, it's a new new thing you can add to your monogamous relationship. And I'm like, it's not really a monogamous relationship if you have hall passes. It's just horribly problematic power dynamic yeah. <laughs> relationships. Isn't there a that movie treat other about that? As objects. I think there's actually a movie called oh, Hall Pass. Yeah. 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 And now I want to watch it. Yeah. I want to see what, what horrible stereotypes we can find in it. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie, but I'm willing to bet that the plot line is that they decide that it's not a good idea and that monogamy is where it's at. Probably. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, will, I will bet you everything that what happens is not that they do some hall passes and are like, oh my god, this is problematically treating people as objects that we can only use for our sexual gratification. We should just be open and have authentic relationships with people. What? I promise you that's not the outcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Haven't seen it. I bet it's a unicorn (laughs) hunting video as well, or movie as well, where uh, a heterosexual couple finds a woman that's bisexual. No, 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 because that's the whole thing, is that both of them are going for individual gender interest. And so then the question is how they handle that. So I think one of them, they get really jealous of each other and stuff. So it wouldn't work if they actually went for unicorn hunting. Although it won't be, you know, another five years where Hollywood comes out with unicorn hunter the movie. (laughs) It sounds like a scary movie, though. (laughs) Totally does. Unicorn hunting. <laughs> uh, they can make, it they is can scary. make a trailer that looks Unicorn scary and then horrible. everybody goes to it and it's like, oh, this is stereotypical polyamory. <laughs> you know, I actually, uh, I was re-watching Ally McBeal the other day and I'm totally I realized gonna make that... fun of you for that. <laughs> um, hey, I've heard of Ally McBeal. I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, wow. Have you ever seen The Dancing Baby? Like The no. Dancing Baby Dancing online? Baby. No. <laughs> Oh, that's where that stupid dancing baby comes from. In the 90s, I was a huge fan of Robert Downey Jr. Oh, he's good. And he happened to spend uh, do a two-year stint on Ally McBeal. So I watched the section of Ally McBeal that had Robert Downey Jr. on it. You know, one of the things about Netflix that's weird is that it allows you to go back and watch shows you only ever saw, like, ten random episodes out of order <laughs> like from. Friends. Just all the way. Yeah. And see what it looks like. And so I was watching through Ally McBeal, and I realized that this was actually, and I remembered the episode when I saw it, that this was my first representation of a poly relationship that I saw in popular media, popular culture. And it's an episode where they are trying to defend a man who, I guess, actually did try and do a second marriage ceremony, and so is getting arrested for bigamy. Mm. And they're trying to defend the polyamorous value. And they go and they visit the home, and the home's very happy and very healthy, and he has the original wife, and she says, you know, I like the new girl, we make a good family, etc. New woman. 
of course, the the eventual outcome, what finally comes out is that, you know, they actually convince Ali McBeal, the lawyer character, to defend them. And then during the trial comes out that she says some leading senator sentences, like, the concern of the court is that you're not really doing this because you're happy to the original wife, but because you're scared. And then the wife breaks and is like, and they'd be right. And it turns out she's just, like, worried that her husband would leave her if she didn't consent to this. So she's only allowing it oh, so that she won't lose her God. kids and she won't lose her life. Yeah, and yeah. it's a really... <laughs> horrible thing it's like been put upon her and like she's you know it's a it was a red herring of like goodness like it looks good on the outside but actually it's super insidious and evil and i was like man even back in the 90s polyamory was enough of a thing that it made it into popular culture and was horribly misrepresented as this very unethical yeah. very problematic very power dynamic creepy male dominated misogynistic scenario mm-hmm. And that's why I just continue to not trust anything of media that's going to represent (laughs) It's going to be a while until whatever's on there is not terrible. What is it? Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman. I liked that, but it was still a little like unicorn hunting to me. And there was still some things in that movie that I haven't seen in the poly community at all. I just watched that movie like last week. I love that movie. It's great. To me, it wasn't unicorn hunting, but there was a lot of couples privilege in it. Ah, yes, there were. Yes. But I think it actually addressed why couples privilege was bad. Yeah. So I was, I was really proud of the movie. Like it was, it's it's definitely like the, it is the best depiction of polyamory that I have seen in a movie thus far. Yeah. Or any media. I, I can think of. Yeah. I think, as you all may know, I'm pretty obsessed with Wonder Woman. Oh, yes. And you that. So, yeah, I have pictures of myself as a four-year-old dressed up as Wonder How Woman. Adorable. I didn't... I wasn't... I wasn't raised with gender norms, <laughs> so I, I was... My parents bought into the gender Z concept, so they didn't teach me what sort of gender-appropriate toys. Awesome. So Wonder Woman was my first favorite comic. When I used to play superheroes as a kid, I played Wonder Woman, and my brother played Superman. I, I love that, like, you are an example of it's okay to not put gender norms on children. Yes. I'm happy I know someone who is like that. But so, more recently... <laughs> I found out that they were also polyamorous and was very excited about that. Not super recently, this was a few years ago. And so I went and did a bunch of research, and I haven't seen the movie, but from what I understand, it's very unrealistic to what they actually That's did. That's what I've read, too. That it is, it is actually very favorable in its depiction of the situation. Because, right, because, in, you know, there were still a lot of ideas about gender roles that were very, very wrong, that were very, very prevalent. There's a lot of bondage in the Wonder Woman comic because the writer believed that all women wanted bondage at some level. And, and not, not that people don't enjoy that, but there's sort of a problem with saying, you know, women need X and women get off mm, on yeah. X. Yeah, well, it goes into disc theory things like that so there was a lot of bondage addressed in the movie too and how you Mm -hmm. know the bondage in the comics came from his disc theory in life and but from what i've read it wasn't a particularly healthy arrangement and that the movie makes it more healthy than it really was and i want positive representations of us but it gets really tricky for me when you choose to do a biographical movie Mm. and then misrepresented as being more positive than it was because then it makes us look like we're trying to hide things like we are liars like there aren't good examples and there's a lot of people living good poly lives that we're not 
popular writers in the 50s mm-hmm. you know and right <laughs> now at the end of the movie though it goes into what happened after the movie mm-hmm. and it says that the two women actually lived together for 38 more years after mm-hmm. he passed yeah. away well like i said i haven't looked into it and because we're not going to spend the entire episode right. on this i'm not going to at least for this but i understand that the second woman was much much younger it was not the first much younger woman introduced just sort of the last mm. again you know maybe that one set of relationships wasn't so bad but there's a lot of weird stuff like you know she never acknowledged what it was that, that she was in a relationship with them and interesting it's been a long time since i looked into it i don't really remember i just remember very early on when it came out looking into it and you know getting consistent reports from people that knew that basically that it wasn't on point with what was actually going on and being concerned with a movie that represents as a biography although i know it says inspired by real events it's not one of the ones that says a biography right. it just says inspired by you know, and so obviously it's not going to be realistic. It's going to be whatever tells the best story. It is actually a fiction based around very loosely exciting sort of events um, yeah. from that time frame. I think if you're going to dramatize or make up that much, why not just make a purely fictional relationship that you could use? And then you could still demonstrate what good Polly looks like with some problems that they have to work out. And then it wouldn't look like you're trying to hide something. Right. That, that's really my only complaint. But we'll we'll move on from that because it is exciting to see positive representation, even if there's still some issues in it that I have. So the main topic then is on opening up a relationship that you're already in. Oh, quick correction from last time. I noticed that at the end of the episode when I was editing it, way too late to do anything about it, mm-hmm. that Mandy and I kept saying date a monogamous person or date someone from a monogamous relationship to mean date someone who is newly poly. So that's what we meant at the end of last episode when we were talking about how we don't love dating monogamous people. Yes. We actually mean newly poly people, people whose background is mostly monogamous. Also monogamous people, like people that want to stay monogamous with you but let right. you be poly, that can be problematic. But but that's part of the group. We were actually looking at the group of people, including people who are into poly, but they're trying it out, like, you know, to be their training wheels we, was the word, wording we used. Right, that is correct. Mm-hmm. I think you said learning, learning curve. But right, so when we're talking about the learning curve and monogamous, we use the phrase there wrong, but we mean people coming from monogamous backgrounds, not exclusively people who are retaining monogamy and being in a spoke sort of situation. That is correct. Now what we want to talk about is if you are dating in a monogamous relationship, neither you were poly and your partner is monogamous and you haven't talked about that, or you're both monogamous originally and then you found out about polyamory, non-monogamy, you've been doing your research, doing your homework, you think this is the lifestyle for you, but you don't want to leave your partner behind, how do you start that conversation and how do you start that journey together Mm. is the topic for today. And I think both Mandy and I, that's how we became polyamorous, right? Um, That's how I did, I know. Yes, I was married to a man and I happened to fall in love with a woman while married and was kind of in a pickle. (laughs) And so I went to my husband and I told him how I felt. And it was awesome because he was supportive of it. He wasn't supportive of it, you know, like she was a unicorn. He was supportive of Mm -hmm. my relationship with her. They did eventually have a relationship as well. 
but she definitely started as just my girlfriend. So it, it was great. He's my ex-husband now. We did not divorce because of Polly, but it was amazing, though very short-lived because she had a hard time, A, dating a woman and B, dating a woman that was married. This was in like 2001. Yeah. And she just had very monogamous norms in her life growing up and just mm -hmm. decided that she couldn't do it. Yeah. As we've discussed before, your experience with this may vary by age. Yes. But we had to tell our family eventually we were non-monogamous, my, my partner and I. And we told her younger sister, who was way younger, like six years, seven years younger. She's like, everyone at my school is non-monogamous. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like the sea she swims in. Like It's not that she's in a non-monogamous relationship, but it was so common yeah. that it, like, it, it was like... Like if we'd just been like, oh, I'm like, if we'd come home, they're like, oh man, okay. All right. I'm dating someone who's not white. And she'd be like, I don't, <laughs> why did we have this conversation? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, so sort of that. So it depends on where you are in your age group as well. Right. So I was, uh, I was 21 at the time. So then, Mandy, do you think yeah. your relationship having been heterosexual before that, do you think that the idea that it was a woman that you were creating this new relationship with made it easier on your husband to understand because he was heterosexual as well? That's a really great question. And I think that the answer is yes. I think that had I fallen in love with another man, I don't know that he... Okay, so I did have relationships with other men after that. But I think if the initial relationship, outside relationship, mm -hmm. were to be a man, I don't think that he would have been as receptive. No. But once we worked through her, and I was completely heartbroken. She was actually moving in. Oh, wow. And mm. just dipped and decided that she couldn't do it. And I was wow. so heartbroken. That's hard. Oh, yeah. it was awful. That's hard. I was neck deep in NRE and mm. I had this, oh my God, we can make this work. Like mm. I can actually, wow. I, can, I can have her and I can have him. And, and so I was in this like just amazing space. And then I was just crushed when she left. But after that, we realized that, hey, this could be a thing. We could do this. And we did start kind of seeing other people outside of our marriage, individually and together. Did he start seeing people when you engaged with this first woman? Or did he start seeing people after this first woman was no longer in the picture? Like, when did he open up his side? Or well... I guess. He didn't date separately until after I did. Do you happen to know if he still is open with his relationships? Okay. So funny story. Okay. <laughs> uh, we divorced. Years later, they actually met up and got married. What? That yeah. is funny. I love it. So the last time that I talked to him, I don't think that they are monogamous but I, I think they're more of the swinging variety. Interesting. Okay. It's it's a little strange. I don't talk to him anymore. Hmm. We were very much a part of each other's lives for a long time after our divorce until he started seeing her. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't do it. I just, there was too much pain there still. It makes sense if you're getting that close to someone and then they're just like up and gone. Right. Yeah. And so so when he started seeing her, to me, that was him telling her it was okay that she hurt me and, yeah. and that she hurt him. And, you know, so I just, I couldn't support it. And I'm sure that there was jealousy involved, but it was more 
to me, it was just more painful to have her around again. So I was just like, we, we, I can't really be part of your life anymore. That is an interesting way to get introduced to polyamory. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just a complete, like, ridiculous coincidence that, yeah, that they, uh, small world, right? Yeah. Hmm. So I think it is all too common to see that as sort of the first open relationships, the woman looking for another woman. I wasn't looking, to be fair. Yeah, this is more going to Sarah's note that it is culturally more acceptable for men to have their wives date other women. Yeah. Often, in fact, celebrated. Yeah. You know, the, like, we've talked about the before the horrible dude awesome yeah. kind of comments <laughs> that you can get as a guy when you're in poly and how those are the worst comments. Like if someone does that, you know you, you're doing something wrong or you're representing yourself in a way that's not great. Right. Yeah. But I think a lot of men, you know, we get training, of course, in what it is to be men, that tall, toxic, masculine idea. And part of it is ownership of women. Yeah. Right? And so... Plural. Plural is, is bonus, but not, I mean, not necessarily. Toxic masculinity in, in America as much embraces monogamy as an ideal and, you know, non-monogamy as a form of sort of failure as it does embrace non-monogamy, in, at least in the, the harem sense, as being successful. But but regardless, it, it doesn't treat women as people in the same way. Yeah. So your partner dating other women isn't like your partner dating another person. It's like dating a yeah. woman. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes it easier, even for people who are somewhere better than the worst part of toxic monogamy. So they understand that women are complete people and they're not trying to treat their partners that way. And yet they're still running on all the scripts of toxic monogamy, which don't treat women as people, but treat them as objects. But it's it's much more acceptable. They're less likely to get attacked by their friends, less likely to be looked down on by their friends right. and their family if their partner is dating another woman. So it's a common 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 entry point i dare say if you were let's see the man is dating a woman and the woman goes out and finds another man and tries to have a poly relationship like that 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 man might be judged for not being man enough like why couldn't you keep her there you know like she had to go out and get something else you know what i'm saying even in poly circles you'll hear the kind of language like that guy's not much of a man he lets his woman date other men the one dick policy the so-called you know right that is not limited to, to the that. to the monogamous community. Oh mm-hmm. no, yeah, yeah. That's an unfortunately common problem. There's, you know, the the poly community, like any community, has a lot of problematic members because a large portion of any population is going to be ethically problematic. Right. And yeah. so ours center around unicorn hunting, biphobia as far as against male biphobia. Yeah. And then generally heteronormative, cisnormative values centering male desires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not at all surprising that when you go on any dating site and look for people who are non-monogamous, it's ridiculous. It's like a third or more of the hits you'll get back are women looking to date other women. No men need to apply. I have the only man I'll ever need mm-hmm. kind of responses. Like, right. we're poly and open, but I only need women. Yeah. And you're like, I don't think you're really poly or open <laughs> if you're only looking for other women. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that's a lot of why. It's just so much more socially acceptable. And so if you are trapped in a monogamous relationship, but you don't want to leave your partner, and of course you don't have the language or the sort of ethical training, whatever you want to call it, to understand that it's not healthy to be in that kind of predicament. And you're like, I want to date other people. And the guy's like, do you mean women? And you're like, well, I mean, shit, I want to date anybody, but I'll take women. (laughs) You know, so (laughs) I think 
that ends up being just sort of a built-in out that people just take not in a problematic way but it becomes problematic by exception it's that whole thing like you got to call out problematic behavior when you see it and when you don't call out problematic behavior that's when you allow it to continue existing so yes it might be easier to get your partner if that partner is male to allow you to date other women as a starting point it's not also the most sort of ethically sound approach to opening up your relationship yeah you should try and have the difficult conversation. Yes. So, Michael, what's your story as far as opening up? You said you were in a relationship and then you opened it up, and you're heterosexual, correct? Yeah. Okay. Far as I know. <laughs> so far. So far, yeah. So far. As of today. <laughs> as of today. Do you feel comfortable sharing your story? Yeah. Actually, I thought I, I think I probably have before, but I'll do a quick recap even if I haven't because, you know, no one's going to remember every single episode we do, and that's just not fair to be like, what? go back and listen. Go back and, and listen to 30 episodes. In episode three, I... <laughs> in episode three. Twelve minutes in. Yeah, that would be funny. Okay, we'll wait. Go, go look at episode three, <laughs> minute marker twelve. I don't even know what that is. I have, that's, that don't go do that. That's not now the right I minute marker. I want to know though. <laughs> uh, no. So, my story was that I was with a partner for about six months and. She was in financial debt from her previous marriage and also had a child. She was very obsessed with money, very normative cultural background, and didn't want to bring debt from a previous marriage into a relationship with me. And I told her I didn't care because I don't care about things like money. This is not relevant to me. But she, she wanted, you know, she had a lot of trauma around money, I think. So she decided to move back home with her parents, and the plan was to move back home for like six months to a year, get the debt paid off, and then we would you know, move forward, basically. So she went home and she was there for six months. And then after she left every day, her jealousy got worse. She had had jealousy issues before, but they weren't so bad when we lived together. Did you want to ask a question? Yes. So did her mom live in a, like how far away did her mom live from where? Chicago. Oh. <laughs> and I live in North yes. Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chicago <clears throat> is sort of two hours by plane and eight hours by driving or yeah. nine hours by driving. Okay, okay. And and she had always sort of had some jealousy issues. The when I've talked about my ex that was super jealous that you know, didn't want me to even hang out with women as friends. This is that ex. Hmm. Not that this is super in her defense, but in her defense, the guy that she was married to before we dated, she walked in to find him cheating on her in her bed with their neighbor. Oh, boy. Hmm. So she had reason to think she didn't know if you were cheating and that you were probably cheating. And so it was easier for her to, and I don't think she ever dealt with that trauma. And so that was something she was still working through. But regardless, it wasn't something that I was willing to accept, per se. I was like, I understand that you have trauma and I'm willing to talk to you about it. I'm not willing to... Bear the brunt of it. <laughs> I'm not willing to pretend half of the population of the planet does not exist. Right. <laughs> as human beings. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> you have a vagina. You're not a valid person to me because my partner is very scared of other people with vaginas. Like, that's not a... <laughs> That's not something that we're going to be able to run. But, you know, I was much younger, obviously. I didn't have any of my ethics degrees. I hadn't really considered a lot of these issues at the time. So I was just sort of feeling my way around in the dark going, oh, I guess that sounds sort of okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> so after she moved away, she just got more and more jealous. And then it peaked when I was living with my best friend and his wife at the time. And his wife lost her first job out of college. So mm -hmm. she wanted to, she had a design degree. She wanted to like arrange clothing and windows of boutique. She got her favorite boutique dream job. She had it for like two months and then they fired her. Oh, wow. Um, uh. And it was because it wasn't ended up not being a really great job. Yes, she was in charge of that, but also she had a sales goal she had to meet and you had to buy a certain number of clothes because you had to look like you were dressed only in clothes right. from the store. And it ended up being a really crappy work environment. But still, you know, you have a dream, you 
you see your dream and then it falls apart. And yeah. It, it's not an entirely logical thing. You're, it, it's like losing a relationship that wasn't good. You're still in a lot of pain and right. reacting emotionally. Right. So anyway, she got fired in the middle of the afternoon. My friend worked a nine to five at the time and I was working as a restaurant manager, but I had different days off. So my two days off happened to fall on the days that she got fired. And so he called me from work and said, hey, you know, she's a mess. She's a wreck. Can you take her out? Show her a good time? You know, entertain her, basically, be a social person right. for her. And I was like, well, I can do that. Let me talk to my girlfriend first, though, because she's really oh. jealous. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I called her and was like, I'm going to do this. Is this okay? I'm taking out my friends. You know, I don't think she was happy, but she was like, yeah, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. So spent the next couple of days taking her out. I took her out to like a play and stuff, and she liked plays a lot. And uh, who doesn't, right? Mm -hmm. And then... <laughs> Then over the next couple of days, you know, she was, my ex was just, she was so jealous. And then what would happen is I would mention something that I hadn't mentioned the first time I, like, reported in. Like, what'd you guys do? And I gave her a play-by-play. -play. Mm -hmm. And then I'd be like, well, when we were at lunch, and she's like, you never said you went to lunch. Oh, and I was goodness. like, well, oh, I just forgot we went to lunch. You? I said we got together and started shopping at noon. I assume that included lunch. Like, why would I ever go shopping without eating? Like, I'm not going to be out all day shopping. Right. Like, it's just food. I don't shop on an empty stomach. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> you just, just buy food. everything, yeah. And she's like, why are you leaving out major details like lunch if you're not lying about it? Aw, uh, poor thing. And, you know, of course, it actually turns out, by the way, that changing your story is evidence that you're telling the truth. If you want to lie really well to, like, professional lie detectors, you want to change your story because people who are telling the truth remember new details. And because we're not trying to hide the truth, we we just, oh, oh, I thought of this thing I hadn't thought of, right? And so you, and, and you add it. Whereas people who are lying make up a story and they just repeat that story over and over. So the story doesn't tend to change. It tends to be very coherent. It tends to follow a straight narrative. So whereas memory tends to be more sporadic than that. Your memory doesn't follow that kind of narrative Logging chain. that You're going away. to have missed things. You're going to remember new things. Mm, I've been lying horribly <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. Well, and, and of course the thing is everyone thinks that, that good lying looks like being coherent. So when they see someone being coherent, they don't think that you're lying. But like you can go and research like lie experts and they'll tell you like people that work for the FBI that are trained to spot lies. They'll actually look for things like you adding new information, changing your story because that's like, oh, no, 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 no. That's right. That's right. It was six. Yeah. Because you don't right. remember. Like, people who are like, at 3 o'clock, I got up and went outside, and then I remember it was 3.30 because I looked at my watch, right, and, you know, yeah. and everything's very specific. Anyway, regardless, so she got, you know, even more upset, and I had to think about this a lot, and eventually I said to her, like, look, you know, for me, relationships are basically crystallized trust. It's the difference between someone I'm in a relationship with and someone I'm not, it's the amount of trust I have. That's it. That's the only difference. So if you can't trust me not to sleep with my best friend's wife, wife then we yeah. don't even have a relationship because, honestly, I wouldn't give up my best friendship to sleep with mm -hmm. his wife. I wouldn't give up my relationship with you to sleep with his right. wife. And if you think that I would, then there's something fundamentally <laughs> wrong with right. this picture. And you obviously think I'm a shitty yeah. person, so I don't want to be with you. You know, I didn't have all the things I've later learned to be able to say, like, it's not like you can control my behavior and, you know, all the things that I would now say yeah. if I was in that situation. So we so we broke up. And then she, though, was really mad. I guess she didn't think that that would happen, which is really confusing to me because even then I was pretty good about being explicit. A month earlier, I'd started to say, you're not trusting me is really problematic. If you continue to not trust me, I'm going to end up having to break up with you because I <laughs> mm -hmm. can't do this. And then, like, two weeks later, I was like, you're still not trusting me. If we have to have three or four more of these incidents where you just really don't trust me not to cheat on somebody, I'm going to end up having to break up with you. And I want to work through it with you, and I want to make it work, but I mm -hmm. can't do this. And literally, I just counted down those incidents, and then I was like, okay, we're breaking up. And she was like, I didn't see it coming. And I was like, how? 
<laughs> how, did you, how did you not see this coming? I've been. She I've been did not believe those threats. Walking you, but they weren't threats. I was walking. I was like, I don't want to break up with you. Like, here's what I can take. Here's my limit. Here's what I can. I didn't have the words, but I didn't have. Here's my limits. Here's my boundaries. You know. But like, I walked you through that process. They were completely threats to her. Though. Oh, they were completely goodness. threats to her. And so, you know, so we broke up. Anyway, so we had this really weird thing where when she had left, she was super insecure, and so we we'd made this deal. Like, even it was really bizarre. Uh, even if we break up, we won't really break up. The kind of crazy crap you do when you're monogamous. Like, we'll break up. We will still won't sleep with other people, but we could still sleep together. But like, we're broken up. It was really weird. So like, breaking up was like a halfway point to broken up. It was a very bizarre, <laughs> bizarre thing. With Mandy Black. <laughs> yeah, no, I it's can, bad. I mean, I I freely admit that I it was toxic. Cannot, I cannot. No, no, no. I do a back and forth thing. I'll be like, oh. We're broken up and okay yeah i still want to sleep you come here but well i didn't mean that as a normative thing that you do but i meant you make weird oh. crazy forever crazy. promises when you're monogamous I see, I see. and this one just took the form of the way that it will be forever is even a breakup's not really a breakup and you know just... sort of thing. so i had thought well we're breaking up but also that would give me a chance to show her how serious i was and then if she was willing to work with me we could get back okay. together However, she was really hurt that I would break up with her, and so she responded by going off and sleeping with somebody else almost instantly, which was against, like, our secondary level of broken up rules, right? So we had rules like, you know, once we break up, uh, you can't sleep with anybody else, you know, <laughs> at least um, I can't sleep with anybody else, at least until you do. You know, and so she went off and, and slept with somebody. <laughs> and I would actually later find out she specifically did it just to spite uh, me. She didn't even really like the guy that much, but she wanted to hurt me because I hurt her by broken up with her. She also had never been broken up with before. It was the first time she'd ever oh. been broken up with. And she was like 27. <laughs> you know what? Come to think of it, I don't know that anybody's broken up with me. I always jump the gun. So I'm that, I'm that woman. Somehow that, I guess it got back to me that that had happened. And so then I became clear that Alyssa, who I was working with, had a crush on me. And I was like, well, what am I waiting for? Like, this woman mm-hmm. went and slept with other people anyway. It's not like she's coming back. The total timeline then there is, like, six months we were dating and living together. Six months, like, dating seriously living together. A little bit before that we were dating. Six months we were living apart, but we were dating, and I was coming to Chicago every couple months to see her. And then six months we were sort of talking about maybe getting back together, but, you know, not. And she was seeing other people during that time. And, and then, of course, when you started seeing Lissa... <laughs> right. Well, so when I started seeing Lissa, it was, I mean, it was no better, really. So, like, relatively early on when I started seeing Lissa, like, we were still talking with this ex in mind. And the ex was like, said something like, so how's Lissa? Are you surprised that I know? And I was like, uh, no. And she was like, don't you want to know how? And I'm like, not really. I just, I don't, I don't know. And it's super creepy that you somehow know this person I haven't told you about or talked to you about. Like, I don't know who your right. friends are spying on you. I don't know if she said listen to something. She said, like, how's the waitress? I, I don't remember. But she used identifying, like, information. And I was just like, that's just creepy. I don't... Yeah. I, I'm not... I, I really, to this day, I don't know how she knew. I actually suspect that my, my best friend who lived with me, who hated my ex, told her so that she would not take me back. Oh, but, nice. But I don't know. I don't actually know how that happened. I suspect that's what happened. So then there was another, another six-month period where basically I was like, well, you know... Cause the, I, if I was very devoted to that relationship, mostly because she had a daughter that I had bonded with very deeply and I felt like I was betraying and who felt like I was leaving her. That on a, I think even like five years later, she still would ask like why I left and why I didn't love her and that sort of stuff. Like Aww. it was really, really heartbreaking. You know, so I said, well, if you want to start dating again, just tell me and I will leave and come up to Chicago and we'll, we can date. And mm-hmm. 
And she was like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to tell you to leave a relationship you're with. Like, that's the choice that you have to make. That was sort of the song and dance for like six months. So then at the end of six months, she's like, I made a mistake. You're the best person I ever dated. I want you to move to Chicago and be with me. Um, I do, I do, I, I, I said I didn't want you to leave because I felt like it wasn't my place to tell you to leave someone else, but I really, like, I really want you. And I was like, well, so the problem with that is mm-hmm. I've now fallen in love with the person that I've been dating for six months mm-hmm. and she didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. You know, I offered you that right. when I first dated her because we've been on a date. If a dude you've been on a mm-hmm. date with who's hung up on his ex is like, I need to go be with my ex, like, that's not that bad. Yeah, Like, exactly. you don't want to date yeah. him anyway. Like, that's really not the yeah, yeah the most yeah. important thing in the world. But then at six months, like, we have a real relationship. And now you're mm-hmm. going, dump her and her real relationship in the face to come be with me. And I'm like, but now you're kind of on equal footing, right? Like, we had all this yeah. history then. But really, we only lived together and dated super actively for six months. So even though we've known mm-hmm. each other now two years-ish, there's only that really six months. And I've dated her and lived with her for six months. <laughs> so so you're right. very equal, equal ground, on yeah. that ground. And, like, you live in Chicago and have already done a lot of weird, crazy shit to me that I'm not sure I trust. <laughs> and she has not done any of that stuff. So I'm inclined <laughs> to think that I should not dump her to go be with you and that that would be really unfair at this point. And she goes, mm-hmm. well, you can't have us both. And that was when I was like, well, but why not? Right? Mm-hmm. That was actually the, you know, as right. I've said this story many times, this is actually the beginning oh, of my poly journey because I had always thought that you can't, because I didn't believe you could be in love with multiple people. And so mm-hmm. I, I totally believe the Johnny Depp line, right? The, the Johnny Depp meme that you can't be, if you're in love with two people, it means you were never in love with the first one in the first place. Yeah. Right. But here I could feel the emotional content of being in love with two different people, both of whom I was past the new relationship energy stage with at the same time. I was very much still in love with my ex. I would have liked to have gotten to be with both. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, Jeez, you know, the major barrier that I always have to dating multiple people is the sense that I couldn't love them both, and so it would be unfair. But mm-hmm. now I have lived experience that you can love multiple people without a loss to that emotional content. Like, it's not like dating Lissa right. depleted my emotional content for my ex. Like, that was what was really surprising to me, is I would have thought that, you know, people always say, like, well, date a new person and it will help your pain and take away this, you know, emotion for the old person. No. Right. And I mean, sometimes it does if you didn't have a good relationship. Then that's when I started doing all the all the research that I ended up doing. And so in a weird way, my relationship with Lissa, even though we did open it up a little bit after that, which I'll come back to in a second, was sort of almost always open. Because the other thing is I was always very honest with Lissa about where I was with this other woman. Right. Really early on after a couple of dates, I was like, Mm -hmm. you have to understand I lived with her for six months. She had a child. Her child was really bonded to me. I would like to make that work. I don't want to hurt that kid anymore. I do love this woman, you know, and, and Lissa was good enough to sort of just talk me through those things, right? Like, and, and be willing to have those conversations with me and be like, you know, you're exciting and I'm glad we're dating and I hope that works out. But I understand that you have these other obligations, that this little girl's a human being, that this woman is someone that you're in love with. And so in a lot of ways, our relationship was almost always open without being explicitly open because Lissa was sharing me emotionally with another person and even helping me deal with my emotions relevant to that other person. 
which is really was always amazing to me. Was Lissa seeing people at Mm-mm. this time too, no, other no. than you? So no, like I said, not explicitly, right? And I wasn't actually seeing this person. It wasn't like we were having okay. sex or dating or Skype sexing or anything, right? It was just more an emotional connection that there was the risk that I was going to leave Lissa to go be with right. this person. And we were having those discussions about that deep emotional content and being in love with someone else. I heard okay. recently, and I can't remember, perhaps it was when we were recording a recent episode that it's easier to enter a relationship with someone and be kind of open with them if you already know that the person is there, if that makes sense. So I was in um, a, a long distance relationship when I started dating my most recent boyfriend. And so for him, it wasn't like, it wasn't as hard to accept this long distance person because he was already there. However, entering like, bringing someone new into the picture um, can be more challenging. So that makes sense why uh, Lysa, is that how you said? Lissa. Her, Lissa. That Lissa. Li- uh, dang it. It makes sense that... <laughs> it makes sense that Lissa... <laughs> like Melissa without the ma. <laughs> it makes sense. Um, based on that idea, it kind of makes sense that Lissa would be more open to it at the beginning of the relationship. Yeah, no, that that is true. And we, we that was us. We were talking about that, although... Whether or not that podcast will come out later, we don't know. But regardless, they don't have that background information because it's going to come out after this episode if it comes out at all in that context. (laughs) Okay. That's my experience as well. This is universal. I've never talked to a poly Mm -hmm. person that doesn't agree. If you start dating someone who is already dating someone, for some reason you have very little to no jealousy of the established relationships. But then when they add someone in, you freak out. And there's a lot of shorthand Mm -hmm. version of that, which has just changed. But that is is an interesting point. It it may be that that also made it a little bit easier. But so then, you know, so then I had that moment and I went to Lissa, who'd been talking with me about these emotional problems the whole time and was like, so hear me out. She said you can't have us both. I was like, why not? And now I want to investigate why not, because I don't understand being in love with two people. And Lissa was like, go ahead and investigate. Tell me what you find. You know, and of course, I started with all the, you know, the sex ed stuff that I've been taught. And I've been taught that humans are uh, band maters, like gorillas or horses. So, you know, women don't need or date multiple people, or if they do, they do with other women in order to support the hierarchical structure that's created by the male to female harem system. And then the men. I'm get, sorry. Did you, know, you call us horses? <laughs> I called all humans horses. Mares were mares. Thank you. I called all humans horses. But oh, that's okay. The, I that's thought the you system. said that women were horses. No, I no, no. Like... I said, I said the system that I had always been taught was one. There were two systems that I've always been that I had always heard before I was started researching non-monogamy, and they were one school of thought thought that humans were monogamous, but that some of us were just bad at it. And then the other school okay. of thought, the more common school of thought, is that humans are band maters, like horses or gorillas where you have one male and a lot of females, and the males beat up other males to gather their harem. Okay. And, but and that as egalitarianism happens, men don't accept being denied mating options and therefore divide the women more equally. And so that was my starting point. But I mean, that was like my starting point in research for like literally three minutes. Like I Googled human you know, sexual relationships, and it was like two seconds, and it was like all the evidences were not band maters. Done. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, well, I feel silly. Uh, and but i had never even heard of like multi-mating like how the chimps and bonobos mate how it now looks like humans default to mating like i'd never even read about multi-mating species before that before that moment like i didn't know that was a thing even in species i thought there was monogamy band mating and then sort of non-bonding mating i didn't realize that bonded multi-mating was a like a a system of animal behavior 
so anyway, so then, you know, I would research things and I'd pass that research on to her. I'm like, oh, I got this book. You should read this book. And I learned this thing and you should learn this thing. And so we, we went through the intellectual process of understanding what the whole field of non-monogamy looked like together before we started making decisions about how we would foray out into it. Interesting. And so then during that, I, I you know, I, as, that's always interesting to me because I'm most interested in sort of the biological part. So I'm a huge fan of explaining to people that the, the naturalistic fallacy, which just a quick refresher, is natural doesn't mean ethical natural doesn't mean better mm-hmm. at the same time i do think that natural is the path of least resistance mm-hmm. right yeah, okay. so if you think about like okay so if it was natural for humans to be on a day and night cycle historically and all the chemicals in your brain help you stay on a day and night cycle being nocturnal is harder i know some people who are very happy being nocturnal whose whole lives are based around it they get paid more they get to mm-hmm. avoid a lot of normal work patterns there's a lot of great things about it but they they have to fight that nocturnal like that day you know the day instinct all the time mm-hmm. i wouldn't recommend becoming nocturnal if you don't have really good reasons to be nocturnal right? Because it's going to make it harder to be happy. Right. And so where there's good evidence about what looks natural when you're fighting that, you have to have, I think you have to have, or I, I suggest you have evidence that shows that the fighting the natural system makes life better, right? So like vaccines, right? Getting stabbed with a needle is not natural and is unpleasant, but it turns out there's overwhelming evidence that getting stabbed with a needle with the right vaccine inside of it will radically increase our chances of surviving plague-free, mm-hmm. right? So totally worth it. Not natural. Got to overcome a little bit of terror about needles and being stabbed in general, but, <laughs> but totally makes life worth the cost. Yeah. yeah. So the naturalistic fallacy is the people who go, vaccines aren't natural, therefore they're bad. No, no, you don't understand how ethics works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the word um, bad. But vaccines aren't natural, so they're scary, they're hard, you have to convince people to do them, etc., true mm-hmm. so, right. so i'm really interested when i went back and you know i got to look at the biology sex at dawn is still a book that i like a lot although i've said it many times it's very very biased if you're going to read sex at dawn please read sex at dusk and then make up your mind between both of them there are two um, i didn't realize there was a sex at dusk well sex at dusk is a book written by a woman who just absolutely despises sex at dawn it's like a point by point counterpoint to sex at dawn well now i need both and sex at dawn yeah, you, you need both because Sex at Dusk is super biased. Sorry, Sex at Dawn. Well, they're both super biased, I should say that. But Sex at Dawn is actually super biased. Like one of the examples in Sex of Dawn is, oh, there's this tribe and in this tribe they share women in their tribe freely such that like when they go to get married, all the men in the tribe sleep with the new wife before she you know marries her husband. And it sounds like this, this great like bonding ritual and stuff. Sex yeah. at Dusk is like, no, 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 no. This is some fucked up weird women are just property sort of thing Mm -hmm. and they're like if you actually look at the studies on the tribe that they're citing and what's crazy is it's in the studies they're citing so they had this research and did not share it on purpose to make their point look better that's the only time they share women in that tribe that women is that tribe is hyper jealous the average length of like coital interaction is 45 seconds in that tribe they don't have what you would think of as real like of sex women probably have a terrible time you know, the, the entire ordeal is miserable and painful, obviously, as you would imagine having to sleep with the 100% of the males in your tribe would be. It's just bad. And so there's things like that where some of their examples that look good are not good. And, and of course, why would they be? I mean, these are still societies, which means they still have engineered hierarchies. Men are still stronger, which means they tend to make 
damaging hierarchies for women. Of course they do. Um, none of the places that we've studied are pure hunter-gatherers because there's no pure hunter-gatherers left. Sex at Dawn is making arguments about what a pure hunter-gatherer version of a human would have to look like sexually. And they're citing both fossil record and, and you know, evolutionary biology and current markers in our DNA and icosis chimp relations and stuff. But they are also citing really, really, really tribal societies, which is a good place to see that there's leftovers from that, but it's not a good place to look at like what good poly looks like. Mm -hmm. Modern tribal societies are not a place to look for good, safe, <laughs> fair, non-monogamous, non-misogynistic you know, uh, practices right. of sex. Like, yeah. It's not a good place. And so it's like they wanted their message to come out really happy and cheery and, and successful, and so they just admitted a lot. And I think that if you read both, you get a much better middle ground. So it still looks like when you read, and that's what I think is really weird, is when you read Sex It Does, she's like, this is just wrong. This has never been the way we did things. We're just, this is just awful. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't make that point either. Hmm. Like, you're claiming their research is very biased, but so is yours. Like, you're just right. like, no, 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 no. But, like, you don't really have anything to talk about when they talk about evidence around penis design or sperm design or any of the other biological factors that tend to hint that we're multimaters. I mean, the most damning of which, of course, is body dimorphism. That in animals that are monogamous, there's almost no body dimorphism. So you're going to have males and females having the same size. And then in animals which are band maters, the male has incredible dimorphism, like two to 500%. So you're talking about a male gorilla is like three or four times the size of the females. Mm -hmm. So you go to the zoo and then like, it's not hard to find the silverback. Yeah. He's like two or three times bigger right. than everybody else there. He could beat up like everybody else in that area <laughs> by himself. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't see that in humans. You see a 20% body dimorphism, which you see only in multimaters, right? So like there's a little bit of advantage in being able to beat up your rivals, but if the women are all like, nah, though then you're still not going to get <laughs> enough sex to pass on your genes, right? So there's no huge benefit in being giant. You're not just going to yeah. punch the women into submission, right? Well, like you're going to... Yeah. It's going to be a social sort of You're a good human, anyway. you're not going to. Well, we're talking about pre-evolving. But I was really fascinated with the biology, and then, you know, when I started giving speeches at, the fir at first, I thought that's what people would want to know about. It. I'd be like, here's the biology evidence that we're probably multimaters and the, the non-monogamous stuff, and people were like... I mean, that's cool, but whatever. Like, nobody ever wants to really hear about that. Like, it's not one of my more popular classes, even though I just, I love it, you know. Mm. They're like, okay, yeah, but how do we do it? Like, right. <laughs> um, so then it was like, well, you know, I think that we are poly, so I mean, non-monogamous creatures, so we should probably think about that. But I also think that if we are monogamous, it will eventually hurt our relationship, which I don't want to do. So then I was like, well, so I think we should be non-monogamous, but it turns out we're both non-monogamous, not just me. So... We can date whoever we want, says all this evidence that I have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was how we opened up our relationship. That sounds very much like a way you would open up a relationship. I read all these books, and it says <laughs> it's good. Yeah. <laughs> right. It is the most me. And my, my, my partner is such a, like, that's, she was like, well, you know what I want for Christmas is a subscription to the local university library. I was like, that sounds like what you'd want for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> so that is a very us <clears throat> thing to do. We're very, like, books, research, evidence. And then, you know, and then, of course, we were like, well, so we think we should do this, but let's do it slowly, trial and error. Let's let's have and, you know, we had we had rules like, OK, so during the trial phases, because we're dealing with other human beings, you can't really do anything during the trial phase. But any time we're between us dating people, we should reevaluate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you're dating someone i'm not going to be like nope you know what this poly thing isn't working for me mm -hmm. because then you're messing with another human being right. but after right. that's actually resolved because we figured there would be times again where we're signal like right now we're both 
just with each other. You know, then we check back in and go, is this still what you want to do? Mm-hmm. Is this still what you want to do? Like, how did that last thing go for you? Like, what did we learn? Like, what right. did we like? What didn't we like? And, you know, it's been hard and it's been good and it's been bad. But, you know, we've always been like, you know what? We should try it again for the next set. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you do it again and again. You know, I think now it's just obviously a lifestyle. I mean, I do a lifestyle freaking podcast on it yeah. and like, ended up basing my <laughs> career around like i don't think it's likely at this point that i'm gonna be like no <laughs> i decided it wasn't it's not really working not, for me not right <laughs> although i was having a conversation with a friend of mine today which is just i i have never been a prolific dater mm-hmm. when i was monogamous i only saw one person a year i wanted to date like that was about my pattern like once a year i'd meet someone that i was even interested in dating mm-hmm. and it only worked out every couple of years you know so you take that and then you add the filter of, but they've got to be poly. Yeah, yeah. And like you can see how often I end up being like, yep. ooh, that person's exciting. <laughs> it's not not a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah. You know, oddly enough, after my husband and I divorced, I went into a monogamous relationship for three and a half, four years. I didn't want to be, mm-hmm. but. That was what he wanted. So it was on like your willing list, sort of? Yeah. I really wanted to have, I I wanted to have more kids. Okay. And I met him and he wanted the same things. And I fell in love with him and he was monogamous. So I said, um, yeah, like, let me try to deal with that. Mm -hmm. And so I tried and it was awful. Mm -hmm. Just because, like I said, because I had, I'd figured out in the relationship before that that this could be a thing and I didn't have a word for Mm -hmm. it at the time I didn't I didn't know a word for it I was just in love Mm -hmm. with multiple people it's amazing how much having the language and the philosophical framework makes a difference yeah it makes a huge difference all right well we are running short of time and so I think this was a good what was our experience opening up our relationships Mandy's and mine and some other sort of good side notes what I'd like to talk about next because I'd like to take those stories and put them into a more direct so what do we advise Mm -hmm. so if Mm -hmm. you want to open your relationship what do we advise the people who are on the want to open it and what would we say to those people who are being talked to for the first time where their partner's coming to them and saying I want to open this relationship up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're going to focus on for next time. So it's going to be sort of step-by-step advice about opening up relationships as opposed to this time, which was more like, here's our experiences, here's our stories. This is what we did. Yeah. Yeah, this is what we did and some of the major things we learned and some of our own preferences. But we're going to talk more specifically about kind of our advice for that space. Yeah. This is this one was this is what we did, and the next one's this is what we got out of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the next one's a lot of this is what we should have done. Yeah. Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. I guess that's it. Bye, everybody. Bye.